0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Part two. Last week, I hope you gained something. If not, you can watch a Facebook Live. You can, you can get the podcast afterwards. There's going to be a five-minute countdown video. You have five minutes to get your butt back in here for equip because I want to go home and watch the game eventually too. Alright, so we're going to start, we got pizza coming, we have childcare, there's no reason not to come, so be here for that. If you're going, I don't know where to serve in the church, get your butt here, man, because it's going to be fun, we're going to get you involved. Alright, am I going too fast? You guys good? If you're good, say yeah. yeah. Alright, so I'm a little fired up this morning because I love leadership. There's nothing more in the church that I love. I crave this. I shared last week, my wife reads those like Christian romance novel junk books, you know, that like, I think, rot your brain, and... And I read leadership books, you know? So if we're sitting at a beach in Mexico, she's reading her whatever that is, and I'm reading good stuff, okay? You might think, you're crazy, you're on vacation, what are you reading leadership books for? Because I like them, all right? I love the theory of leadership, I love studying, lead- I love spending time with leaders, I wanna surround myself with leaders, I want to be with leaders. When my kids come up to me and they say, Dad, I wanna, I can't wait, because I wanna work on a, you know, on a train car someday. I say, why don't you own a train? You know, like, that's just me, I wanna, what's the next level, what's the next thing you can do? And I want to impart that into you. That's what I'm passionate about, okay? Like, that's just, that's just me. So if there's nobody in the Bible to me that does a greater job with this than Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you're not familiar with the book, Nehemiah is a leader stud, okay? Like he's like, oh, he's up there, man. Like Nehemiah, oh, he's just, oh, he's like wild, okay? Ezra Nehemiah is a book in the Bible, in our Bible today, we have the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. If you read Hebrew literature, if you look at Hebrew and the way it's written, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah are actually one book within the Hebrew. So you've got to look at them together. They're a whole unit. And so it's interesting in the book of Nehemiah, here's just, just a real quick synopsis to get us all on the same page, okay? I had so much caffeine, I can't even say synapsis this morning. All right. So here we go. Nehemiah, here he is. He gets this vision. He gets this crazy vision. He's like, I feel like I'm supposed to go back to my homeland. Here he is. He's in Babylon. He feels like he's supposed to go back to the Jerusalem, the city in which he's from. And he feels like he's supposed to rebuild this wall. Now we might not think, oh, big deal, it's a wall, you know? When I picture wall, you remember like, do they still make them? I don't even know if we have any in our kids, but those are like cardboard bricks. You remember those? You like to build stuff with? Like, how many adults like, still wish we had those? Aren't those fun? Yeah, I see. Yeah, you're with me. All right. So, so they have these, and that's what I picture. But you got to imagine, this is a whole city. Even imagine the city of St. Francis, and we're like, let's go build this ginormous wall. Let's do it. And we might think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, this was their security. This was their defense. This was their livelihood. This was their passion. This was everything that they knew. And the city here is destroyed, laid in ruins. And God gets a hold of somebody's heart. God gets a hold of somebody's heart. God gets a hold of Nehemiah's heart, and he's like, Nehemiah, this is a vision I've given you. You're to go and change the world. And Nehemiah's like, let's do it. And so it says he's cupbearer of the king. That means the king trusted him because he had to drink the wine before giving the king. Because if it was poison, Nehemiah, he's dead, not the king. All right, that's what a cupbearer was. So he does this. He's a leader. He's entrusted. He goes to the king knowing he could be killed. He goes up to the king and says, this is what I believe I'm to do. And the king says, go for it. Go and do it. And Nehemiah's like, Really? And Nehemiah, like, Test the limits. Good leaders test the limits. And good leaders, he tests the limits and he says, Well, would you send troops with me? Sure, I'll send some people with you. And would you also give me a letter when I am you know, going from here? to Jerusalem, you know, would you give me a letter? And he's like, not only will I give you a letter, he took his signet ring, and with their signet ring, it represented the seal of approval of the king. There was no greater authority in that day, and so he sealed it with, with the signet ring, had this, and so he had safe travel from Babylon, basically, into Jerusalem, into the city. And so here he goes into the city. Now, some people thought he was insane. Some people thought he was crazy. Some people are like, I want to go and follow you. I want to build that wall with you. And all of a sudden, man, when crazy vision happens, crazy leaders happen. And so all these crazy leaders are like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so he goes, and they start rebuilding the wall. And I'm giving you, like, years worth of things here. And they rebuild the wall sooner than they realized. You know, sometimes it says they had a tool in one hand, a sword in the other. They had people come against them. They had people look at the wall and be like, oh, man, nobody could build that. That's a piece of junk. They were in their face all over the place. These three guys, Sambala, Tobiah, Amorite, all these these guys were just up in their business. And Nehemiah stayed faithful. And we find ourselves, I want to share this verse with you, towards the end of the book, he says this, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. And on that day, everybody say day. Day. All right, they offered great sacrifices. That's messy, bro. Rejoicing because God had given them what? Great sacrifices. Joy, great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Does that sound like a party going on, man? Da, 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 da. It's a party, man. Okay, like it's, it's, it's happening. And they hear all this rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing? Well, let's read on here, okay? Well, in just a minute, we'll, we'll get there. They're rejoicing, they're celebrating. They're going, ah. Oh! Look what God did. Look what happened. Look what we changed. We changed the world, man. How do we know that? We read about it. It's thousands of years ago. Probably about 3,000 to 4,000 years ago. We read about it in the history within our word. They changed everything, man. This vision that God gave. Them. And so they're celebrating. Look at what we did. Look at what God did. Look at what God built. And they're like, yes. And they're, it's like loud celebration. You got to remember, this is the walls of Jerusalem. They're within the walls of Jerusalem. People outside the walls are hearing it. That's how loud it was. There's crazy celebration going on. So let me ask us a question here. Why is it so hard for us Americans, for us St. Franians, Nalvinians, Elk Riverians, Oak Groveians, Andoverians, whatever you are, why is it so hard for us to celebrate? Why is it so, why, why, why? How, how many of, we, we like to focus on, like I said last week, the 99 good, and then we focus on that one bad thing, rather than man, let's celebrate those 99. Look what God is doing in our lives, man. It's incredible. It's incredible. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. It says this There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to partay. You guys awake this morning? I'm going to start talking in like funky accents, man, or something, okay? They're dancing. They're dancing. They're dancing, man. Okay? They're dancing hard. Why, so, seriously, there's more coffee out there. Why is it so hard for us to celebrate? Why? I think it's because we don't practice it. We don't practice, cel- we're, not, we're not like, well, let's, next Friday night, we're going to celebrate, okay? We're going to celebrate, next Friday night, we're going to celebrate. But what we don't realize is we do. Well, we've got Thanksgiving up, yet. we're going to celebrate, you know? We're going to wear our stretchy pants, right? All right? Then we got Christmas coming up. Love Christmas, you know? I know some of you don't like Christmas music, but you like Christmas, okay? We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate all of this. But it's not this thing we practice all the time about, man, look at this great testimony that God did in our life. We should celebrate it. What's more important, celebrating our birthday or our salvation day? We celebrate our birthday for some reason in our culture. Celebration is a discipline. It's actually a discipline. And celebrating should be part of every intentional leader. Celebrating, it reminds us this. It reminds us every success in life is because of God's grace. They didn't build that wall by themselves. This church just didn't happen because somebody gave, you know, Chris and Heather vision. It has nothing to do with us. We're just going, God, what do you want us to do? It's, it's on God, man. We want to give him all the praise and all the glory that he deserves. Think about it. When is the last time you planned to celebrate? Celebration is not always spontaneous. Let me show you. They finish all this wall. Let me read the verses before that verse in Nehemiah we read when they were rejoicing. It says this, At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem. I had the leaders, this is Nehemiah talking, I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials... The choir sang under the direction of Jezariah, and here's the verse we read. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing rejoicing in Jerusalem, could be heard far away. Anybody got anything in their life that you want to celebrate? Has God done anything in your life that's worth celebrating? Is God alive in your life? Has he showed up in your life? Has he changed has you? Has he transformed you? Is God still alive or is he not in your life? God's alive in my life, man, I'm going to celebrate, and I don't care if you celebrate with me. Woo! You want to be an intentional leader at your work, within your school? I know there's a lot of students right now with us this morning, okay? Which is fine. We're like a youth group for adults, basically. All right? That's how I like to describe our church to people. You want to be an intentional leader? I believe every Christian is called to be an intentional leader well, I don't have people that are following me. Yeah, at the end, Jesus didn't either. Okay? Don't don't let the world define what leadership is. Let God do it. An intentional leader says, I'm going to celebrate the win. You want to be a better intentional leader? Celebrate the win. Celebrate what God has done in your life. How many times do we get together, you know? And, and, and I'm guilty of this, man. I'm an evaluator. We, Derek and I, we get together through the week. Hey, how's worship? What can we do differently? You know, what, was the coffee decaffeinated this morning? Like, what, what is it? And, and we'll just evaluate all of that going, what can we do better? The only problem is if we focus on the evaluation all the time rather than the win, we end up paralyzing ourselves. Over-analysis can lead to paralysis is what takes place. And so we've got to realize, man, I've got to just rest in celebrating the win. Well, I I feel guilty. Why is it? Why do we feel guilty celebrating? Because are we, well, this other person, they don't have it quite as well. Man, include them in your celebration. Pray for them. But then don't discredit what God has done in your life. You've got to realize that he's alive. He's there. And he loves the stink out of you. That's not biblical, but that's what I like to say. God loves the stink out of you. Second hesitations, verse 4. All right. You want to be an intentional leader? Celebrate the win. Think about, what's, what's our world? Our world, man. You know what I think of my week when I have kids here and kids there and, you know, youth group and we're dropping off at a kids' church and then we got, we got basketball and we got, you know, show choir and we got knowledge bowl and we got everything going on and, and then the church adds equip on you today, Sunday, you know, our, our, it's like, anybody feel that way? Come on, you all do, you know it. It's like the rat race of life and it just goes on and on and on. In this nonstop 24 world, it's all too easy to just place our focus on the next task. Well, we gotta get to the next thing. Gotta get to the next thing. Gotta get to the next. Stop! Stop and reflect on what God is doing. Go, oh my goodness. Look at what's already been achieved. What happens if the, in your workplace? Think of your workplace right now. Think of your school. Think of your neighborhood. Think of your family. Think of your church. If you stopped with your team, Whatever team you work with, and you're like, man, let's just celebrate the good. Maybe you're having some tough times with your spouse. I don't know. Celebrate what God has done, man. I'm going on 17 and a half years of marriage with this beautiful woman. Come on, man. I'm celebrating that. And I'm celebrating with her, with all y'all, later. All right. Some of you understand that kind of celebration. We go on walks. What are you talking about? All right. We love to walk. If you ignore the wins of your team, you miss this opportunity not to just inspire your team onto even greater successes, but to strengthen your own leadership. You will never strengthen your own leadership unless you stop and smell the roses for a little bit. You know, we get done with the block party, you know what I'm thinking? Easter egg hunt. I have to stop and go, man, we like 350 people at the block party, that's pretty stinking cool. That's awesome. And then some even decided to come to the church. And some, even last week, gave their life to Christ. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, come on. Here's what I want to give you this morning. I want to give you 10 reasons there could be a million. Here's 10 that I find the most beneficial for me, why celebrating wins is so important for you, for your team, for your company, okay, for your school, for your church, for your family. right for your own leadership so celebrating wins number one it reminds you of the goal that you set and why you set it in the first place what's the goal that you have you know my goal to be very honest with you my goal is to get to 200 pounds I've been floating around 250 260 I was at 306 in January so we're still celebrating that we're down about 40 to 50 okay but I have to stay motivated this time Nikki by the way I worked out six times this week I just want you to know that okay I won't tell you what I ate for dinner last night but I worked out six times this week Okay? But I'm motivated. I want to lose that weight. I want to be healthy. I want to have, you know, be able to see my grandkids when I get older. That's where I'm at. That's not on anybody else, but I'm celebrating where I'm at, man. I've stayed the course, continuing to stay the course. It's easy to forget why a goal is important. Okay? But forgetting that, it it basically removes all meaning from the task. When people remember why they work, okay? and why they what they do matters what does that do you're inspired to man i want to do more okay when these pants i didn't have these pants in january i got to go with my wife to some weird stores and buy pants i know that might sound weird to you but it was cool i enjoyed it i didn't have to wear the ones that i was wearing anymore i got to pick out new ones first time in a long time and not just the ones i knew i could fit into the ones i wanted more specifically the ones she wanted me to wear that's true. Number two, it, celebrating wins, it reminds you that you are a good focus, that, that a good, excuse me, a good focused goal setting process, it actually works. It reminds us that it works. You set the goal. You create strategies to achieve it. And then you reach the outcomes that you want. That's how it works every time, right? No, not all the time. But not only celebrating the wins, does it deliver good results? It inspires your team to set goals in all areas of their work as well. You know, I heard Zig Ziglar. I got to see Zig Ziglar live, and it was incredible. One of the things that I heard him speak is he says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Just right on. And I think we have to figure out what's the goal that we're trying to hit. And let's celebrate the progress on the way of getting there. Maybe you're going, I don't have a lot of prog- progress, but I haven't given up. And celebrate the fact that you haven't given up. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7. Ezra writes this. He says, but as for you... Be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. Let's be real for a moment. Have you ever, don't raise your hand right now, okay? Don't, I'm going to slap you. I will come out the stage and I will slap you if you raise your hand right now. It's my warning, so I hope you listen. You ever wanted out of your marriage? See why we're not raising hands right now? You ever been like, I don't know that I can make this work? You ever been like man i don't i don't know if i want to be in this job anymore if you're if you're going man i'm doing everything i can it's just not going the way that i want it to go Or you trying something new and it hasn't worked or are you like i feel like i'm better than this or you feel like you're stuck in that dead-end job and you're like oh i just want out of this what does the bible tell us what does ezra tell us as for you be strong and don't give up for your work will be rewarded I believe that's a, for all of us this morning. Don't give up. Are there times that pastors ever wanted to give up? No, it's not Monday yet. Sometimes past, yeah, you know. I hear all the time from people in our community, well, you just work Sunday morning for an hour. Yeah, the message, this, it just writes itself. This is all spontaneous this morning, you know. The Holy Spirit, he tapes that right up there. Okay, it's cool. No, it's not how it works. You know, Derek and I, we try to make sure we don't go over 50 hours a week. You know, we're meeting people. We're talking strategy. We're doing this. We love that. It's, it builds team. We love hanging out together, okay? All of this. There are times where it goes, man, we're doing all these strategies. We want to see, you know, seven, you know, 700 people come to Christ in our community. We haven't seen that yet. That's the dream. And so we're going to celebrate those that did give their life to Christ because that one person mattered, didn't they? Yeah. So we have to stop and realize, no, I'm not giving up. Heather and I just talked. You know, I, I took a two-day prayer retreat this week. And one of the things that, that I just spent a lot of time praying about was church. And I said, God, I want to, I want to be the best that I can, and I want my congregation to know that you know, they can live out their potential as leaders. You know? And I just prayed, and I'm like, God. And I was planning on going a whole different direction this morning. And here's what I believe. I believe firmly that we're just, just starting to grasp the dreams and the aspirations that God has for this church for each individual that's within this church. I believe that firmly with all my heart. And we're not to give up. And the thing that God told me is he said, um, you know, he said, Chris, and, and there's, uh, got to be careful how much I share here. This is on Facebook Live and I can't pause it. Um, let's just say that there have been opportunities that others have said, hey, come be a part of our staff. Come, Come do this. And, I've said no every time in fact they don't even entice me They're, it's nothing and and what I believe God asked me and I'm he's not asking you this he's asking me this is where I'm at as a leader he says Chris are you willing for your gravesite someday to be in St. Francis yeah this is like end game for me man like like you might say I'm still trying to figure out my purpose in life and what I'm doing there's nothing, nothing that gives me greater joy than my relationship with God my wife my kids and then this church like, that, that's it. You know, my, my family, my extended family, obviously, as well. But to me, this, this is it. And I want to pray that God just releases that in you. You know, that you get to find that, like, all right, God, now I get it. I, I, can, I see the pieces coming together. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you are. But I can tell you that even when, when you realize that, it can be hard to be like, oh, man, it's not going as, as great as I want it to yet. And it can be easy to have those feelings of, I think I just want to give up a little bit. We've all been there. We've all been there before. You know, of wanting to give up. And so what do we do to inspire ourselves? Celebrate the win. Look at what God has done through your life. You know, don't, don't just think, you know, when, when a door closes in your life and a job or something, don't realize that that's a curse. It's probably a huge blessing and you just don't realize it yet. Realize it. Next one is this. Number three, it motivates. Celebrating wins motivates, doesn't it? Celebrating the win motivates me. Employees who feel appreciated and know their efforts have been noticed become even more productive with the next round it happens over and over it's a cycle it's a upward cycle you know one of the things that that we make sure we say all the time and this is something that that i've taught derek and we've learned together since he's been here is we don't ever want anyone within the church to ever feel used you know i was a youth pastor well the youth they'll just set up the tables we'll just ask the youth no now we're using youth no we're not going to use people we're going to utilize people's gifts okay I don't ever want you to feel used in this church. If you're doing something and you feel used in this church, then, then you shouldn't be doing it. We don't want you to feel used. We want you to be utilized. Do what you love to do, man. That's why we're a life-giving church. That's the way it should be, in our opinion. I wish that every week I could get up here and say name for name for name for name of people who make this church happen. It takes 60% of all of us who are here this morning to make this church rock, Okay? That's incredible, that's a lot of people. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Number four, it unifies the team. When we celebrate wins, it unifies the teams around a positive outcome. It unifies around positivity. How many know it's really easy to get negative? So easy. There's proof, I shared this last week, scientific proof, that our brains focus on the negative rather than the positive all the time. But here it is. It unifies the team around a positive outcome. Number four, if the if there are members, a part of your team who are struggling to get along, struggling to be unified, then reminding them that they have achieved a common goal helps bring them together. You know, right now the worship team, they got to put up with me for a little bit, all right? You know, and uh, we've been looking and praying for that next person, so I'm kind of stepping in right now just, just to help and bring unity. And there's been this, this peace, this goal, but our, you know, our overall reaching goal is basically want to create an environment for the Holy Spirit to show up and give you a revelation. That's it. That's how we know we score, man, as a a team. That's our desire, and I want that within the message as well. Here's what's interesting. If you go back in Nehemiah to chapter 8, four four chapters before they celebrate and they get all loud, this is what Nehemiah writes. Nehemiah 8, verse 1, the first part, says, All the people came together as what? Say it with me. They came together as in the square before the water gate. Why is this important? came together as one. It's the only where in Scripture you'll ever see this kind of unity. They came together as one. They were, they were there. They were unified. They had accomplished this great task. They were excited. Now, the wall was a part of it. However, in chapter 8, there's another part that gets unwrapped right here that's incredible. They end up getting the book of the law. That's the first five books of our Bible, okay? They find it. Ezra finds it, the priest, and Ezra takes it, and he reads it. And all the people that hear the scripture for the first time, some of them first time, you remember, they were living in Babylon. They hadn't heard this forever. They were in tears. They were broken. They were were in sorrow and mourning. There's a time to mourn, a time to dance. They were mourning. And Nehemiah steps in. It's one of the most famous verses in all Nehemiah that we use out of context all the time. And Nehemiah comes into them and he says to them later on in chapter 8, he says, no, no, stop it, stop it, stop it. He slapped them he said no 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 you don't get it don't focus on the negative don't focus the fact that we kind of missed a few things within the word of God focus on the fact of what we just did and then he says later on chapter 8 for the joy if you know it with me for the joy of the Lord is my strength he said it because this whole group of people came together whole Jerusalem and they said man look at this and they were all in tears No, no no the joy of the Lord is my strength because look what he just did through us come on guys, do you not see God is on the move and in work within this congregation? I see it all the time. Can you not see that God is within you at your workplace? Can you not see, I see God moving in your family all the time, man, it's awesome. Next one is this. Celebrating wins reminds the team they work for a winning organization. People wanna work for winners, don't they? It's easy to focus on that. It's easy to focus on, well, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird. Let me explain. One of the greatest morale boosters that we can do as leaders is we can offer those around us the knowledge that they work for a successful company. Well, I don't know that I view it successful. Even if that company, and especially if there are other areas where that company might be struggling. Maybe your company, maybe you own a company, maybe you're leading a company, maybe you're trying to get one going, maybe you're part of one. You know, you gotta remind them, they work for a winning organization. Nehemiah. Here they were, tool in one hand, sword in the other. They were unified. You can't tell me that, you know, during the time of rebuilding the wall and people coming against you and wanting to, you know, shoot you off the, you know, with their spears off the wall, that they weren't wanting to give up. They stayed on. They stayed unified. Why? They were celebrating what, had already, what God had already done. Next one is this. Celebrate wins forces you and your team to concentrate on the positive rather than the negative even if where your work has taken hits or you're in transition, give your team a boost by celebrating and reminding them that all good things that God has done, they're still happening around here. Man, look what God is doing. I love this in the book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 10. Luke writes this. He says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Is there any greater rejoicing than that right there? If you think there's any greater rejoicing than that right there, you're in the wrong church. You got to find a different church, man. Because that's what we're about. Everything in me burns to see people come to Christ. I've given my life for it.